Hey everybody, welcome back to Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. In Mark chapter 1, you have something very interesting in, in verse 14, that John's arrested, and of course he's put in prison, and that's when Jesus goes into Galilee, and he preaches his inaugural sermon. So we've had a president who's been inaugurated, and uh, now we have the Messiah, the Lord, he's the Messiah, Jesus is, not the president, but <laughs> Jesus is the Messiah, and uh, that was proclaimed at his baptism. The epiphany is, is that's my son, I love him, and he's going to die for the sins of the world. And now he preaches as the son of God, and what's interesting is, he says, the time is fulfilled, uh, the kingdom of God is at hand. This is one of, this is one of the least, um, how shall I say this? Hardly anybody pays attention to those words, and yet they're probably the most profound and important words in the New Testament when Jesus says, the time is fulfilled. What does Jesus mean when he says the time is fulfilled there, Adam? Well, um, he's talking about um, God in the very beginning after the fall into sin, making the promise that uh, a Savior was going to come to crush Satan's head and to win victory for all who had faith in him. That promise has been passed on generation after generation. It's the reason that God kept Noah alive in the flood to keep that promise. It's the reason that God called Abraham out of his home uh, and promised him a land. He even says it directly to Abraham, you know, uh, through your offspring, the entire world will be blessed. It's the reason that uh, uh, we have the almost sacrifice of Isaac. It's the reason we have the Jacob and all the things that happen as he goes down into Egypt and kept alive in the midst of the famine, uh, thanks to Joseph being being sold as a slave. It's the reason that David becomes king. Uh, this promise is passed along through all these people throughout all generations of history. And now all that stuff where the promise is made and made and made and made is going to be fulfilled in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. <laughs> it reminds me of what Paul says in Galatians 4, in the fullness of time, God yes. sent forth his son born of a woman to redeem those under the law. Yeah, Galatians 4, 4. So the time is fulfilled. Namely, all the promises of salvation that God made, now it's being fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ because he's the word made flesh. So now what we're witnessing in the New Testament is, for lack of better terminology, just run with it, folks. This is the most important time in the history of the world, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's key, and uh, it's the hinge on which all of human history kind of turns even, which uh, uh, all mankind and its best efforts can't even come close to it. Uh, Christ does it. I think it's worth pointing out, too, the, the Lutheran uh, sermon that Jesus preaches that you just read as well. It has law and gospel. It's based on Scripture and God's Word. Uh, and so even that, uh, you see here Jesus being a Lutheran fulfilling time. <laughs> yeah, repent and believe. Right. Uh, more on that in a moment. I've got, I've got a lot of things I want to say about that. But notice, so the time is fulfilled, and it's kairos, if I remember, in the Greek, which is a, a big word in the Greek, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Uh, so in other words, God now reigns on the earth in Jesus Christ. God promised that he would reign forever, and now it's beginning. Uh, and he reigns forever for the salvation of the world in his son, Jesus Christ. Now, this reminds me of something. There's urgency here. Jesus, you know, it's a real short sermon. It is. <laughs> and he doesn't mess around. He, Unlike our sermons, which have a long front porch, uh, you know, bit long introductions, lots of illustrations, etc. Jesus doesn't beat around the bush. He'd flunk out of homiletics at the seminary because he doesn't tell any flowery stories or give any long introductions. He just gets right to the point. The time is, is fulfilled. 
the kingdom of God is at hand. And there's urgency here. And what I, this reminds me of like when I watch football games. <laughs> this reminds me of like the two, the two minute warning in an NFL football game. And then a team goes into their two minute drill because there's only a certain amount of time left. And the end is going to be here. The game will be over. That's also the urgency here with Jesus when he preaches this sermon. So we'd better pay attention to it. <laughs> it and I, yeah, I think um, so many people today don't, right? Because, oh, that's 2,000 years already. Who knows? You know, it, it can't be true or it's never going to happen. But it, it should still be urgent for us now, especially as we have our eyes to the times and what's going on. You know, we need to be ready for the end any moment. We need to be ready to be killed for the faith or to be arrested or persecuted. Um, it could happen. The time is fulfilled, and it's um, running short, maybe is the way to say it. Yeah, and I think this is why Paul says in <coughs> Romans 13, I think it's verse 11. I'm going to open this up so I don't misquote it from memory. Uh, you'll, all, you'll all remember it when I quote it here. Uh, yeah, let's see here. Uh, is it 13? Uh, or maybe it's, it's Romans 13, 11. I got that messed up. Let's see here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Paul says, Romans 13, 11, the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. So the urgency. So Jesus has come, and because he has come, all of the promises of salvation are being fulfilled right now, and God reigns on the earth. And so therefore, what are we called to do? Jesus says, repent. Repent and believe in the gospel, law and gospel here, isn't it? Yeah, definitely is. It's a a very clear distinction there. Repent uh, has the two parts. First, that we acknowledge that we're sinful, and secondly, that we believe that it's forgiven in Christ's sake. Uh, and, uh, And that's even, he makes sure we emphasize that second part, believe the gospel there. And so in that sense, it is the most simple and yet complete Lutheran sermon that you can preach. It's interesting that when we hear the words, when Jesus says, repent and believe, uh, we get the impression as hearers that that's something that we do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, in other words, what I'm trying to drive at is, so folks, when you're listening to a sermon and the pastor says, you need to repent, what do you think the pastor's saying to you? Or when the pastor says, believe in Jesus, what do you think he's saying to you? That's an interesting diagnosis. Listen to people and their answers. And usually the answer is always, I need to do that, the repenting, and I need to do the believing. In other words, I'm in charge of those verbs or I'm running those verbs. I got news it's, for you. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, it's one of those ways that our English language is really incomplete compared to some of the ancient ones like Greek and Latin, where you had different voices that would be uh, passive, that would be reflexive and things like that. And we, we don't really have the ability to do that in our English language, uh, nor the capacity to speak that way and get those ideas across. Right. And what I'm driving at here in particular is that, uh, you know, Jesus says later on in verse 17 to uh, Peter and Andrew, to follow me. So the repent, the believe, follow me, those aren't marching orders. They're creative, creative, divine words that do what they say. So when Jesus tells you in Mark 1 to repent, he's the one who repents you in the word that he speaks, just like in the beginning when he said, let there be light or be fruitful and multiply. So the Lord's doing the repenting of you through the preaching of the word repent. Right. And then when he says, believe in the gospel, he's the one faithing you in the word that he actually speaks. 
And so I hope this is helpful for, and I've, what I've done is I've tried to coin a way of talking about this, is that, is that uh, the Lord repents us, the Lord faiths us, or we are going to be repented today, and we're going to be faithed today. I change it to like a passive voice, if you mm-hmm. will, and it's, the, it's a divine passive where the Lord's doing the repenting and the Lord's doing the believing. And I think uh, that's why it sounds so funny to our ears is because our language doesn't allow for that. And yet it is the proper way to speak about these things. And if we could properly speak about it, we'd probably understand it that much better and uh, struggle with it that much less. Maybe <laughs> I'm just being optimistic here. <laughs> and, and this is, the, this is, for lack of better terminology, this is the scandal of preaching faithfully as a pastor because the pastor is to do the same thing when he preaches. Uh, the Lord will use him as his instrument to repent folks, which means what? It means that people have to be turned from their sin, from their selfishness, from their evil desires, from their desire to be God, and which means the old Adam, their sinful flesh, has to die. It has to be put to death through that word called repent or repentance. And so what I'm trying to say, and not very well, so have mercy on me, folks, is the Lord's killing the old Adam when he says, repent, or when the pastor says, repent. He's going after the old Adam to put it to death. And that's why it's so hard to understand is because the old Adam doesn't want to die. I mean, that's the thing it fears more than anything else. It wants to live. It wants to be alive. And so it doesn't want to hear the word that puts it to death. It doesn't want to believe that word, which is why it's so important that God is the one doing it, because uh God's the only one who can make that happen. And so it hurts. It hurts. <laughs> it really does. This is a huge spiritual struggle and a huge agony, spiritually speaking. And so to, to be repented hurts because the old Adam has to die. And you, ha- you have to grieve, if you will. Uh, you grieve of dying to your sin because the old Adam doesn't want to let go of it. Uh, and that's why, of course, many people, when the old Adam has its way, and won't let the word of God have its way. That's why uh, people turn, tune the pastor out. Uh, they clench their fists. They stomp their feet. And they leave. Now, believe in the gospel. So the Lord kills the old Adam, puts the old Adam to death through the law word of repent, and then raises up a new man spelled F-A-I-T-H through the call of believe in the gospel. Which is, so we t- the Lord turns us away from our sin and then turns us to him so that we will trust in him for forgiveness and salvation. That's what's going on here in this inaugural sermon with Jesus. So when the kingdom of God is at hand, when the time is fulfilled, when it's salvation time, the Lord will repent you and faith you in the very words that he speaks here. Repent and believe in the gospel. He's doing it. What great joy. (laughs) Yeah. And and that also gives us a certain amount of... uh, uh, comfort and peace because we know when God does things, he doesn't do them halfway. He doesn't do them in a, uh, you know, haphazard way. He does exactly what he says. Uh, And when he says that we're saved for his sake, that's what we are. Yes, indeed. It's just, it's a magnificent thing. And so we properly distinguish between these two things, Uh, the law and the gospel, repent and believe. The law leads us to the repentance. The gospel leads us and brings us to faith. And so the law doesn't save you, only the gospel does. And that's the, we have to keep that. So the law is one thing, the gospel is another thing. I hope that was helpful for you folks. Come back again next time for more Table Talk. Stay Lutheran. Your mind is playing tricks on my day. Cause though the 